For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the DraftKings Rainmakers live show presented by, of course, DraftKings Rainmakers UFC today, UFC 291. We're going to talk a little bit of the gloves, of the kicks, of the tackling, of the takedowns, of all the things. Hit that like button, subscribe button, notification bell. Goes a long way for us here on this video. And obviously, I'm usually the analyst when it comes to the golf section, but I am simply a spectator. I am simply just going to absorb the knowledge from my friend Greg Ehrenberg. It worked out well for me for UFC 290. Go follow him on Twitter at GEhrenbergDFS. He's going to talk you through the ins, the outs of this 12-fight card. Greg, how you doing, my dude? Yeah, uh, shorter fight card, so hopefully nothing else gets canceled. We did have uh, Jake Matthews was originally, I can't even remember who Jake Matthews is originally supposed to fight. He got a short notice replacement in Darius yeah. Flowers. So we've had one fighter that pulled out last week. And yeah, if you look through the rest of the card, it's pretty thin. It's a great card. Almost all the fights should be action fights. But yeah, not a ton of options. It's one of the reasons too, why right now, if you guys look in the DraftKings lobby, there was only, what is it, 7,600 packs being dropped for this event, whereas mm -hmm. for a lot of them, it'll be a lot more than that. Like the UFC 291, if I'm not mistaken, there was like 13,000 packs uh, for UFC 292. See, uh, 289 had something like yeah. 9,200 packs. So a little bit short of a print for this card, which will happen. There's just less fighters on the card. Yeah, we had International Fight Week. There was a, you were able to have those cards that are going to have utility for a year and a half. They ended up dropping some extra editions of each one of those. I got to go. It was the most banging card of all time. It was rather enjoyable there in Las Vegas and obviously enjoyable to take. I think I got third in Legendary, got fifth in Elite. So it ended up being a very nice week for me. But if you're new to DraftKings Rainmakers, sign up below. You can get a PGA free pack. You're going to get eight golfers. Start off with Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, one of those two. Just do it. Or John Rahm, I suppose, too. He's kind of good at golf. Uh, those three, that's fantastic. But you also have a deal with UFC where you're going to get that first pack that you end up buying reimbursed for this drop. So 291, jump in there, get yourself a pack, and get it reimbursed in DraftKings dollars. That is a great deal that they have going. So... It allows for you to jump into the UFC streets. You're going to get five cards. You're guaranteed to be able to fill out at least a core lineup, but you could get a rare, you could get an elite, you could get a legendary, or if you're super, super lucky, you could get yourself a Rainmakers card, flip that, turn it into a lot of lineups this week. So hopefully you run well in the pack streets, but we're heading to Salt Lake City here for 291. Elevation, going to be a talking point, I think, all week. Who's got the cardio? Who doesn't? 
I don't think there's anything outside of the Derek Lewis uh, Delima fight that I'm all that crazy concerned in terms of cardio. And as you said, it's going to be pretty action packed. I think there's going to be uh, some five round fights. You've got the co-main events at the top here for Gaethje Poirier. Looking forward to this card for sure. Anything you want to talk about right before we dive in? Uh, yeah, I mean, the altitude is definitely going to be relevant. The last card we saw at Salt Lake City was UFC 270, yeah, which was yeah. uh, Usman and Edwards. And there was a lot of really, really weird results from that card because we saw fighters gassing out really quickly into fights. So, like, <laughs> there was the really weird Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhold fight, which was a great fight to watch, but they could not have been more tired just a couple minutes into that fight. Even Leon Edwards had said that his body wasn't really responding to him properly. So that was a fight where it ended up being uh, somewhat of an issue as well, even though Edwards obviously did rally from behind and win. But yeah, the Costa-Rockhold fight had a really weird cardio situation. There was also, what else was on? Oh, right. The Tybura romanov fight. That was another one too, where Alexander Romanov on that card, like a 10-8 first round over Marcin Tybura. And then was just finished. Like he came out for the second round with absolutely nothing left at all so it was a fight where i thought it should have been a draw i thought it was 10-8 for romanov in the first round i thought i, I thought that tybora won the next two it ended up being a majority decision that tybora won but uh yeah i would say that i don't typically pay too too much attention to the weigh-ins but if anybody shows up a little bit out of shape for this or looks a little bit doughier than you're used to seeing could definitely be problematic for any fights that are going to get into later rounds yeah, is there anybody in particular that on the secondary market you might be concerned of for that? Because I do, I, that's something that I did not think about at the beginning of the year, mainly because I didn't understand all the ins and outs of UFC. You've taught me a lot of it, helped me be successful in the Rainmaker streets, but I am trying to be aware of people who might miss weight. Obviously, I think Priscilla Kachera is probably the main person that you'd be paying attention to, but she's such a sizable dog. I don't think buying a card of hers for core for a dollar or a couple dollars for rare is all that big of a deal. But anybody else you might be having on high alert to miss weight? Not necessarily to miss weight, but I mean, Michelle Pereira is a just massive, massive 185 <laughs> pounder. And uh, sorry, I should say 170 pounder and probably should be fighting at 185 pounds. And I mean, we've seen him gas out breakdancing before he gets into the octagon. So <laughs> like he has fought more reasonably in his recent fights and has looked pretty good and has looked more well-rounded. But if you go back to his early UFC fights, like he had the fight against Tristan Connolly where, yeah, he was breakdancing. He did, he did like five, he did a full five minute round of breakdancing before he started the fight and then was tired before the end of the first round. So like if he does dumb shit, he might be gassed like two, three minutes into the fight at altitude he's somebody i'm definitely concerned about fighting at elevation all right going up against wonder boy that'll be a fun one for sure uh, michelle Pereira. all right we've got two main events here on the card are they both five rounders i didn't check if the Pereira no. and uh they're not no you it's Just a safe Poirier assumption Gaethje. that if usually title fights are going to be title fights are always five rounds they've done like in history you've seen there's been like three five round co-main events that were non-title fights so okay. just the just the one main event is going to be five rounds. So I was spoiled at 290 getting two five-rounders. That was beautiful. That was awfully yeah, beautiful. title fights on that card. Whew, it was awfully fun. That's very true. So let's start with the lightweight. Uh, the, this is for a belt, correct? Or it's actually, no. It's for a vacant belt, I suppose, is what it would be for. A fake belt. 
a fake belt as they're calling it. Yes. Uh, the, the badass whatever belt they're calling it. Dustin Poirier and Gustin, uh, Justin Gaethje here. Uh, we're getting another iteration of this one. And Gaethje, Poirier, they've really had some electric fights for sure. A fourth round finish last time around for Poirier. What are you expecting with Poirier being a little bit of a favorite here in this spot? But obviously Salt Lake City, that's going to add an extra amount of variance for a guy who likes to go to the mat against a striker like Gaethje. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And it was funny, before you came into Zoom, Jordan and I were talking about this fight before because Jordan was saying that he's not somebody who typically watches a whole bunch of UFC, but he saw this fight come up on YouTube. He rewatched their first fight, and he was telling me how much of a banger it was because it is. The first fight was incredible. It was, uh, it was a fight that was so good that they booked it again. It was competitive. Dustin Poirier really was leading the entire way. A lot of the striking stats indicate that as well. If you pull up the numbers from the first fight, we saw Dustin Poirier end up finishing Gaethje in the fourth round, the final strike stats in that 174 to 115 in terms of the significant strikes. But the fight finished right at the start of the fourth round. So if you just look at the output of these guys, if this fight would have gone the distance, which is fairly unlikely considering just the amount of punishment both of them are able to dole out, I mean, we would have seen something like, 250 significant strikes for Dustin Poirier, probably close to 200 for Justin Gaethje. So with that in mind, this is a fight you absolutely need to roster. In terms of the current betting odds, the line has slowly been swelling more and more in favor of the Dustin Poirier side. He's as wide as a minus 164 favorite right now, as low as minus 145. So that's the range. Anywhere from like minus 145 favorite to 164 for Dustin Poirier. Whoever wins is going to put up a massive score. I'm going to lean towards the Poirier side for two reasons. Number one, we've already seen the matchup once and it went pretty solidly in favor of Poirier, not just because of the finish, but also the stats per round in terms of the striking. Poirier, 63 significant strikes in the first round to 34 for Gaethje. Round two, 55 to 46 for Poirier. Round three, 38 to 33 for Poirier. And then finally, the finish at the start of the fourth round. So Poirier outstrikes him 18 to two in that round before getting the finish. So just based on how we've already seen the matchup, I'm going to favor Poirier to win. So for Rainmaker's purposes, I want a little bit more of him, but it seems almost impossible to me that the winner of this fight will not be one of the five highest scoring fighters on the card. You probably want to play the main event in your captain spot as well. So whichever side you prefer, I lean towards Poirier. Right now, my cards, I think I have 46 Poiriers and 40 Gaethje's because I do think it's a fairly close fight. I don't really have too much else to add, though. I don't think we're going to see very much wrestling and grappling in this fight. Poirier is a much better grappler than Justin Gaethje, but he's not a great offensive wrestler. And Gaethje, while he doesn't typically go to the wrestling, does have a higher wrestling pedigree than Dustin Poirier. He primarily uses it defensively. So I think this fight plays out on the feet again. I give the striking edge to Poirier in terms of the volume. He's also a little bit more defensively responsible. So I'm going to pick Poirier to win by late finish again. Oh, late finish. So... We've never brought this up. There's only 12 fights, and DraftKings scoring changed a couple of years ago, obviously before I was in the UFC street, so I don't know how it necessarily correlates, but there's a lot of talk about stacking fights before. On Rainmakers, where there's no salary cap, you're probably going to run into a situation where more than likely uh, you're not getting 70, 75 points, uh, which would be kind of your very low end of what you're looking at if you're going to stack up a fight, but is there any outside chance that you would be looking at stacking this fight? 
Not really, uh, especially because you have so many action fights on this card okay. where I think there's going to be a lot of finishes. And then even for, I know it's not what the question is, is at the heart of it, but where people are typically stacking is for classic contests. And where you could kind of squint and make a case for it is when, you know, you get a scenario where somebody's a big favorite at like $9,500, but the fight's kind of expected to go the distance and expected to be high output. Then you can kind of see like, hey, maybe the fighter is $9,500, goes and wins, puts up 120 fantasy points. And the fighter on the other side is like $6,800. Maybe they go out and they put up like 50 to 60 fantasy points in a loss at a really cheap price point. But for this one, even as crazy as the output was in the first fight they had against each other, let's see, what would Gaethje have scored in a loss in that one? So 115, so like he was scored just under 50 fantasy points. Not terrible for getting finished, but not nearly enough to be optimal in a Rainmakers contest. Absolutely. All right. Just wanted to throw that out there because, you know, maybe people are thinking about that or being like, hey, that's a ton of volume on both sides. I'm with you. I don't think it's something that I plan on doing. I'm not going to do it uh, for sure. But uh, you might run into a 10 fight situation where, if you get a five rounder and you get a dud fight night card where it's something that I think can enter the realm of of something you can you could try out. But uh, more than likely with the changes in scoring, not going to be something you look at doing. Something you should be looking at doing is finding some favorites that you are a big fan of guys who you think can score and put up massive Massive amounts of points. We've got Bonfim. He is a massive favorite on this card. You've got uh, some guys, uh, Miranda Maverick coming back here after a pretty surprising loss. Uh, Jazza Devicious, even though she's apparently saying her name in a different way now. If you go look on the Twitters, uh, that was kind of interesting to watch her get interviewed and not care how people were pronouncing her name. I would care, I think, if I were that good. Jake Matthews finding uh, fighting Darius Flowers coming off of his uh, Dana White Contender Series. Uh, just absolute bangers that I was watching from last year's Dana White Contender Series, uh, making his debut in the UFC because he got banned for a year. It don't do drugs, kids. But uh, who are you looking at in terms of these big favorites? Who do you think scores the highest on this week's card? Yeah, so, I mean, there's kind of different ways to look at it because there's certain fighters that I view as being relatively safe, but maybe don't necessarily have the same sort of scoring upside. Uh, but I mean, there's a bunch of them that you could really make a strong case for. So like, I think Roman Kopilov could score a bunch in a win and is probably very live for a late finish over Claudio Ribeiro. Uh, Ribeiro, we've seen gas out at sea level. So now you're going to put him at altitude. <laughs> there's definitely a chance that it could end up uh. gassing out. And Kopilov has just progressively looked better and mm -hmm. better in some of his recent fights, in particular his last couple. He's looked like a stud. So the Alessio DiCirico fight, and I don't really rate DiCirico all that well. He's not really a high-output fighter, but Kopilov put it on him, ended up finishing him in the third round of that fight. And then where he really looked good was against Punahaly Soriano. We actually saw a little bit of offensive wrestling from Kopilov, which we've never really seen all that much of in the past. So he's progressively gotten better and better over the last couple of fights. And I actually think that Punahaly Soriano is a better fighter overall than Claudio Ribeiro. The one thing you have to be concerned about, though, is Ribeiro massive, massive power early in the fight. So mm -hmm. there's a big downside for Kopilov. He's definitely live to get finished in the first round because of the power of Ribeiro. But if this fight goes past the first round, I think Kopilov could definitely end up finishing Ribeiro, putting up a pretty big score. And I haven't looked at what the pricing is right now in the secondary market because just as you and I are starting the show, mm -hmm. the cards are only you know just starting to get opened in packs and getting posted. But I wouldn't be shocked if Kopilov has 
a lower secondary market price than some of the other spend up options potentially like, you know, Marcos Rogerio de Lima, Miranda Maverick. I wouldn't be stunned if those fighters end up being a little bit more uh, expensive than him, but I think the upside is probably higher. Look at our guy, Jordan Klein out there. He's navigating the new players page over there. It's been out for about three weeks here, a month over in the Rainmaker streets. Makes it easy to be able to look at PGA, UFC, and then of course, NFL, they had the big Rainmakers presentation, getting you set for the NFL Rainmakers season in 2023. Going to be a lot of fun to be able to talk through that, to be able to jump into that. So check out this secondary market page. It's going to come in a lot of handy for you. I also like to use the lineup page as well, uh, something that can kind of help you uh, just pulling up the contest that you're in, being able to sort it by the specific rarities that you're looking for, whether that's core, rare, elite contests. And then once in a while, I'll dabble in the legendaries if I run good in the pack streets. But I uh, got enough cards for the second or that I've got uh, stocked up. I know you do too for this week. I think I'm going to be pretty happy there in the elite streets with my Gaethje's, with my uh, Poirier's, and then uh, throwing in quite a bit of Bonfim as well. But uh, definitely like Bonfim. I think a lot of people are. And as you said, I think he's going to be much more expensive on the secondary market. That is a very important part talking point. But uh, I like everything that you pointed out there. Let's talk about some of these fights that are going to be bangers, that are going to be closer on both sides of it. I've got two that really stand out to me in terms of ones that I think are going to be competitive, but you might want to have the winner. Medich Semmelsberger really stands out to me. And then another one that's got a pretty tight spread that I think uh, could end up having absolute uh, crazy upside, Pereira Blakow, uh, and uh, and Jan Blakowicz, is that how it's said? Is that, is that correct? Uh, Jan Blakowicz. Jan Blakowicz. All right, I knew I was going to screw that one up. But Jan, uh, J-A-N, good stuff, cool name. Uh, I love both of those fights. I think you're looking at pretty high output from both of them. Is there any fight that you've got circled that you think, hey, I'm going to have a lot of both sides? I mean, you can really make that case for almost all of the fights on this card, but the one that probably stands out the most to me, and also what I'm looking for when you pose a question like that is what is it that I'm specifically trying to target? Like, why do a, why do I think a fight could be really high scoring with upside on both sides? And it's usually going to be contrasting styles. And the one that stands out the most to me in terms of a style contrast this week is Kevin Holland against Michael Chiesa. So Ooh. Chiesa has almost no striking, but is a really good wrestler and a good offensive grappler, but also somebody who makes a bunch of mistakes on the mat and often ends up getting finished by himself by submission. Whereas Kevin Holland has zero wrestling defense, but is a really good striker with pretty high output on the feet. And then also just devastating finishing potential. So when it comes to Michael Chiesa against Kevin Holland, this is the fight that we've seen Kevin Holland lose time and time again in the UFC. Just over and over and over again. Kevin Holland fights anybody with wrestling. Guess what? They take Kevin Holland down. But here's where this fight is going to be a little bit different. Kevin Holland used to fight at 185 pounds. Michael Chiesa used to fight at 155 pounds. There is a big size advantage for Kevin Holland, where if he's able to keep this fight at a distance, he is an 81 to 75 inch reach advantage. Half a foot, Holy his God. reach is going to be an advantage here. So as long as Kevin Holland could keep this on the feet, Michael Chiesa, like I said, is almost no strike. He probably knocks Michael Chiesa out. Now, if Michael Chiesa is able to close the distance on Kevin Holland, Kevin Holland's going to get taken down a million times like happens in all of his losses. You look at the loss that we've seen from Kevin Holland against wrestling-type fighters. He fought, he fought Derek Brunson, gets taken down six times in that fight. He fights Marvin Vittori, gets taken down 11 times in that fight. He goes out and fights Hamza <laughs> Chimaev. 
Chemaev, and you know, no shame on taking a fight against Chemaev on two days' notice and losing, but still, Chemaev takes him down twice and submits him within two minutes. So if Kiesa wins, wrestling, grappling, potential for an early finish. If Holland wins, he probably knocks out Michael Kiesa. Kiesa was also 35 years old. He's been very inactive as of late which is pretty concerning. I don't really know what to expect out of him. He seems a little bit more committed to his broadcasting career at this point. He's always on the UFC desk, working a lot of the events. So a really good fight to target. I think whoever wins is going to score well. Love that. Great breakdown there for a specific fight that, yeah, I I love the contrasting styles. I love uh, the opportunity for big paths to victory for both of them because, hey, and at least you kind of, know you're getting at least the good of it if you're going to be very, very high on a fight for Rainmaker's purposes. A lot of people do that for main events. Nice to be able to mix it in. Uh, Great breakdown by you. Everybody, do not forget to hit the like button. Do not forget to sign up. Get your free PGA Tour pack as well as reimbursed credit back in DK dollars when you get that first event pack. So do that for UFC 291. Going to be more advantageous than taking advantage of a $19.99 fight week uh, uh, pack that you would be looking at for next week. So take advantage of that here below. As we start talking about some fades that you might be interested on this card, we do have some huge dogs, and maybe you want to throw those into the mix, whether that's a Tony Ferguson who is in trouble with the law, and a lot of people aren't exactly ecstatic that he's going to be fighting Bobby Green, even though I don't find that to be a very difficult matchup. Bobby Green doesn't do a lot that impresses me, but he's a massive favorite. Oh, moved up to minus 400 at a couple of books here in recent days. Uh, any fades that you might be looking at here on this week's card? Not not like anything that's crazy, right? Because like the fighters who I'd be less apt to want to play is probably somebody like Venetia Salvador, or I probably am not all that apt to play Trevin Giles this week. But it's primarily because these are fighters who don't really fight with a ton of output and then also aren't incredibly likely to win, right? Salvador a little bit more likely to win because it's not like he's a crazy underdog against CJ Vergara. And then as for Trevin Giles, big underdog against Bone Fiend, but for the most part, I think all the favorites on this fight have some semblance of upside. Like Bobby Green is typically a fighter who doesn't score massively high in his wins, but I think Tony Ferguson is so beyond washed. And I think what is most evident of how washed Tony Ferguson is at this point, there is nobody who bleeds more in their fights than Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz <laughs> has a ton of scar tissue on his face. Usually two minutes into any fight, Nate Diaz is opened up. He's got cuts on his face. He's bleeding all over the place. And Tony Ferguson used to be a fighter who, if you went into a fight with Tony Ferguson, you knew one thing for sure. You were coming out of it a different person than you went into it in some sort of way. You were going to be damaged. You were going to take elbows. You were going to be fucked up at the end of the fight. Tony Ferguson was not able to put any sort of damage on Nate Diaz. He landed nothing clean. Nate Diaz looked fresh as could be at the end of that fight, which never happens at the end of Nate Diaz fights. I just don't think Tony Ferguson has anything left in the tank. I don't think Bobby Green has that much left in the tank. His last fight against Jared Gordon, he looked like he was on pace to win it, but he looked like a shell of himself. He was slow. His output didn't look as great as it normally does. But still, based on what we saw out of Tony Ferguson in his last fight against Nate Diaz, unless something just crazy changes where Tony Ferguson is refreshed, but based on like what you said, some of the out of the octagon issues, he's getting arrested for, you know, drunk driving and stuff like that. He's had like domestic violence issues. It seems like he's all over the place in his personal life right now. I don't know how committed he is totally to fighting. I'm going to be interested to see what condition he looks like when he steps on the scale. But I think Bobby Green probably finishes him just because I don't think Tony Ferguson can take any more damage at this point. 
All right, that's fair. We've got Nate MMA picks. He came in, said Uros Medic. Uh, it seems underrated at his price. I probably agree with that. But he also added Maverick Fade. This is kind of the scary fight for me on this one. You can't spell Kachero without catch weight. You know, it's uh, it's pretty interesting how many times she's missed weight and ran into situations where uh, her fights get moved. But this is a great draw for Miranda Maverick. I think this is an opportunity for her to bounce back after that uh, loss as a big favorite against Jezza Vicious. But uh, how are you feeling about Miranda Maverick on this week's card? The only female MMA fight we have uh, for UFC 291. Yeah, so Miranda Maverick is really, really smart. She's probably the smartest fighter on the UFC roster. I think she's like a PhD in psychology or something oh, like that. She's shit. gone back to get a master's degree as well. And considering how intelligent she is, I think there's a very good reason why she took this fight on short notice. It's because she knows how good of a matchup this is for her. Priscilla Cachoeira does not have great takedown defense and is also... I'm not, she's not like a terrible submission grappler. I think she's like a purple belt or something like that. But I do think Maverick is the much better submission grappler in this matchup. And if you go and look at some of the losses Cachoeira has had, if she fights wrestlers, grapplers, she typically ends up losing those kind of matchups. And I think something that stands out the most to me is we saw Miranda Maverick fight against Jillian Robertson. And that was a fight where Maverick was able to dominate that fight on the match. She was able to land takedown. She was able to hold top position. She was able to out-wrestle and out-grapple Jillian Robertson. Well, Jillian Robertson was able to out-wrestle and out-grapple Priscilla Cachoeira, where Jillian Robertson landed one takedown in the first round and promptly submitted Cachoeira. So if we saw Robertson out-wrestle and out-grapple Cachoeira, and we saw Maverick out-wrestle and out-grapple Robertson, and we know that Maverick is a pretty intelligent fighter who I think could stick to a game plan, I kind of think this is going to go the same way. I think she's able to out-wrestle and out-grapple Cachuera, and I think she probably submits her. But with that said, she is taking the fight on short notice. It's at altitude. Cachuera does have really good cardio. She's a lot of power in her hands, especially for this division. So I'm not going to totally write her off as being somebody who's live for a KO, especially because Maverick didn't look great in her last fight. But still, I think the most likely scenario here is that Maverick probably lands takedowns and submits Cachuera, which we have seen happen multiple times over the course of her career. And typically, whenever she fights somebody who's capable of wrestling in any way, they end up taking her down. Even Molly McCann. We saw how bad Molly McCann's mm -hmm. wrestling and grappling was last week. Well, she took down Cachuera multiple times able to dominate her on the ground in that matchup. Great question from Willie K. Do you acquire most of your cards via packs or the open market? How far in advance are you looking for fighters' cards before their fight? Phenomenal question. I think this is the perfect way to finish this out. Greg is very sharp when it comes to figuring out year-long utility. We're in July, though, Greg. There's a lot of fighters you might be buying year-long cards for that will not show up again by the end of the year, but enough of them will where it's kind of a question of, well, could they show up in Australia for 293? Could they show up, you know, at 295 near the end of the year? I know Boston's coming up here soon, too. I doubt that's a little bit too soon, but... There are still major cards and titles up for grabs. How do you kind of balance between year-long cards and event cards on a week like this? Yeah, so I mean, what's going to be most important is that there are a lot of fighters who we're going to want exposure to that don't have year-long cards available for. In those scenarios, you just kind of have to buy the event cards. Now, I don't open a ton of packs for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it's a pretty good proposition. Just target the fighters you want on the secondary market because... You might not get the fighters you want in the packs, but you could just target who you want on the secondary market. 
So let's say for this week, you really want to play the main event. Well, if you open backs, you don't get any of Justin Gaethje or Dustin Poirier, then you're not playing the main event. You're going to have to buy those fighters anyway, because I don't think you should be making lineups without the main event. So I prefer buying fighters on the secondary market. As for buying fighters in advance, I'm typically buying them right as the fights get announced. And when a fight gets announced, if I have a pretty good sense that somebody's going to be a really big favorite, then I'm just buying a bunch of their cards. Like if it's going to be a 50-50 fight, I don't really bother. But when you see one of these matchups, for instance, uh, Jake Matthews against Darius Flowers, mm -hmm. right? We see Darius Flowers gets announced as a replacement fighter about a week and a half ago, something along those lines. So we could just assume Jake Matthews is going to be a big favorite. At that point in time, I'm going and just buying as many cheap Jake Matthews cards that I could find. Tony Ferguson gets announced against Bobby Green. Same deal, right? That fight gets announced a couple months ago. I'm buying as many cheap Bobby Green cards as I could possibly find. So that's when I'm buying them on the secondary market. Because like you said, Eric, we don't know who's going to fight the rest of the year. There's only four months left in the year for all intents and purposes, or five months left for all intents and purposes as far as utility you get for these fighters. Some of them aren't going to fight at all. Some of them are only going to fight once. A couple of fighters will fight twice. Your best bet is wait for fights to get announced. Look for them on Twitter. And then when they do, if you think somebody's going to be a big favorite, that's when you buy them. And then their prices are going to go way up as the event gets closer. Awesome. I think that's a great breakdown for Willie K. Hopefully you, uh, hopefully you can utilize some of that. He said, thanks for your time, fellas. You are so welcome. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us here on the DraftKings live show. Always fun to talk off, but it is really fun to talk UFC. Greg brings a lot of infusion, a lot of knowledge, and obviously he got me excited to play the UFC Rainmakers product. And I'd say it's been a pretty profitable proposition. So if you enjoy it as well, sign up, get that first pack for you down below in the video description box. Click on that link. Also get your free PGA Tour pack while you're at it here. Thank you to Jordan Klein as well for producing per usual. Great navigating of the players page, the lineups. We've got 2K to first in the core contest, 5K in first, in the rare 10k in elite and legendary check out all of the great offerings here for rainmakers ufc 291 in salt lake city this week but greg any final words for the people as we get out of here no it's gonna be a banger uh we've got Derek. you asked me about fights to go either way uh, another one just dropped Derek lewis and margos rogero <laughs> yeah. this fight should be taking place at altitude Derek Lewis, I don't think takes damage well at this point in his career. I don't think he's very much cardio. Marcos Rogero de Lima also doesn't have very much cardio. This is going to be a sloppy, sloppy heavyweight fight, but another one that could go either way. Going to be a great card. I'm looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it, too. What a way to end it. Uh, two guys who, if this goes past the first round, they just might sit on opposite ends of the ring and fall asleep. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, good stuff, as always. Go follow him at DFS over on Twitter. Go follow me at Eric Lindquist on Twitter. Get your free packs. Let's get ourselves out and out of here. See you next week for some PGA friends. Good luck at UFC 291. Did you... Do, do With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, saver. Whether you're saving for that trip to the tropics or saving for an emergency, now is the time to take advantage of Wells Fargo's savings options. Wells Fargo offers savings accounts that can help you save towards your goals. So, what are you saving for? 
Visit a Wells Fargo branch or wellsfargo.com backslash save to open a savings account today. Wells Fargo Bank, N.A., member FDIC. FDIC.